never was the sun without its brightness, and that brightness cannot be separated from the sun. And the same thing true is with God. As long as there's been God, there's been Jesus Christ. And he's saying this, is that this world is a dark world, and God sent his son, Jesus Christ, the brightness of the Father, to shine amongst the people. And if you don't have Jesus Christ, then all you have is darkness. All right, Hebrews chapter 1. Here we go. Now, on Wednesdays, we're studying the book of Hebrews. Now, on Wednesdays, we do a Bible study, and we call it a Bible study. We do things just a little bit different, perhaps. Uh, on Wednesdays, we kind of just break the word down, and we'll, we'll, go, we'll go word for word and uh, make application and, and of course, interpret um, the Scripture for us in, in, in these modern times. But... Um, so this morning we're going to we're going to continue in Hebrews just for this morning only because I feel like there's something great and applicable here for all of us and I want all of Cornerstone to hear what the Lord has to say in 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 this first chapter of Hebrews Hebrews chapter one chapter one chapter one I'm so sorry hey I just got back from vacation. And so that's my problem. Uh, too many tequila shots. I'm just kidding. I didn't do. I didn't do any of that stuff. I'm just kidding. But I heard someone told on me in um, in a Sunday school class that I have a pitcher and I won a hundred bucks on that cruise ship. Now I didn't go in the casinos and playing blackjack and stuff. But anyways, uh, but we was. But every time we had to walk to our to our dining area, there was this machine that had the grabbing hook, and that thing was full of. Um, stacks of ones, $100 a piece, $100 stacks of ones, and there's those grabbing hooks, and I walk by that thing, you know, every day, and, you know, just want to play it. I want to win 100 bucks, you know, and so uh, one day I was walking by there, and I just, you know, Tommy was next to me, and I just kind of wandered off to it, and I stuck my my cell card in that thing, and she says, what are you doing? What are you doing, Ronnie? And, and uh, no, 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 you're going to waste money. You're going to waste money. And I said, but then I'm going to waste it, $5. You know, I put it in there and pulled it out. And first try, I didn't get anything. Second try, I didn't get anything. Third try, bam. Hundred bucks. I mean, people come and swoop in on us, just, just you know, just excited for us. And Tommy's jumping up and down. She, she was glad then that I played the game. And so I won a hundred bucks. Let me tell you what: the line went forever. They want people wanting to play that game after I won, but that was that was that was it. All right. So Hebrews chapter one. Hebrews chapter one, and we got it on the screen for you now. We don't know who the human author of Hebrews is, but we do know who the author is, and his name is God, the Holy Spirit. Everybody say amen. God wrote this. We don't know what human agent he, he used to write this, but we know that God wrote this. And we know that he's writing to the Hebrew people. Now, this is a small group of people somewhere in the Palestine area. We don't know for sure. We know it's written between 30, 36 A.D. to 70 A.D. because we know that there's mention of the temple. The temple was 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 was. Uh, Destroyed in 70 A.D., so we know we know that it was written before 70 A.D., but we know it's after the ascension of Christ, and so we know it's with, within that first and second generation of Christians because there's mention of both the first and second generation. So just in the the book of Hebrews in a whole, that's who it's written to. That's about when it's when it's when it's written. Um, now, 
when you read the book of Hebrews, you have to know certain things before you can really understand what the writer is saying, because you got to put it in its context. And, and to put it in its context means you got to know who, where, why, when, and how. That's called, um, that's called our hermeneutics of interpreting Scripture, okay? And so, so when we read the book of Hebrews, we know that, that the author or the Holy Spirit is speaking to all of us here today. Everybody say amen. But then he was speaking to Hebrews, and he was speaking to three different groups of Hebrews. The first group was those who were, who were converted. They were saved. They were born again. They were believers in Jesus Christ. Then there was a second group. And the second group of people, they had it up here about being a Christian, but they didn't have it in here, okay? And then there was the third group of Hebrews that, that we understand throughout the, the whole book of Hebrews, and you have to understand what group he's speaking to in different places in the book. But the third group is the people who didn't have it up here or didn't have it here. They, 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 were, they were not saved. They were not converted. There was no faith. So that's the three groups. Now, I understand this morning that we could say the same thing about this group here at Cornerstone this morning. One of us fits in one of those three groups. There are some here this morning that are truly born again, that you got it here, and that you got it here, right? And then we understand there's probably some here this morning, you've been in your church your whole life, you, you, you got it here, but you really never have gotten it here yet. And then, of course, there may be some here this morning that you don't have it here or here. But back to Hebrews. The problem with the first and second group was in the book of Hebrews and why the book of Hebrews is written is because these Hebrew believers were bringing stuff from the Old Testament and their old Judaism and their old ways of life, and they were bringing it into their new life with Christ. And so God is saying, no, you can't do that. Go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And so he starts off, so, so you know, we call that legalism sometimes or, we, or whatever, but they're bringing, they're bringing things from their old lives and their old beliefs about God into their new relationship with Christ. And so in verse 1 in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions, in many ways, meaning that God had spoke to man in many ways, in many portions, meaning that he's used men, he's used women to speak to his people, he's used prophets, men, women. He even used donkeys to talk to people, right? I mean, if <laughs> so, and, and he's, he's done it many different ways in portions, meaning in the Old Testament, there's history, there's law, there's, there's wisdom, and, and, and there's all of these different portions of, of Scripture. But then he says, in many ways, and then it says in verse 2, in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. Everybody stop. And again, this is just like a Wednesday night. We're doing a Bible study, okay? And so what God is saying is, is he's saying to these people, to these three groups, he's saying to them, okay, you lived your life. You were under the law. You were under Judaism. You know, you, you, had, you had this that you were trying to meet to have a relationship with God. And he says, God had related that. He had revealed that to you in many, many different ways. And, and he's used different people. He's used Moses. He's used Jonah's. He's used all, you know, Samuel, David, uh, Solomon. He used all these different peoples to do that. And he's written to you in different ways. And he even used a donkey to talk to you one time. But he says, now 
all of that is gone. It's past because he says in verse 2 that now he has finally, at the end, he has fulfilled all of the Old Testament in Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ has come and he has fulfilled everything in the Old Testament. So everything in the Old Testament stops. And he's saying, so what he's saying to them is that stop bringing that stuff from your former life into your new relationship with Christ because Christ has fulfilled all of that and it's over with and it's done. Everybody get that? Now listen to me. Don't we do that? You know, here we are. We're born again believers. We're here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. And don't we just bring so much stuff from our old lives and from just us being human beings in Decatur, Texas, and we try to bring it into a relationship with Jesus Christ? And we wonder why life doesn't work sometimes. Amen? All right. Move on with me real quick. And then we're going to get to the meat of this. And it says... In verse 2, it says, whom he appointed heir of all things. Now, stop right there. Here we see God. Here we see God giving a sevenfold presentation of Christ. In these next two verses, in verse 2 and verse 3, God is giving us a sevenfold presentation of Christ, who he is. Now, this morning, you're here, and boy, I'm glad you're here, but you need to know who Christ is. And I I know that we all, we know who Christ is, but sometimes I think we just forget exactly who in the world this Christ is that we serve, that we put everything that we know, that everything that's human, that everything that makes sense to us, that we stop and we, we put our eyes and our emotions on this Christ that gives us a new life in him. You see, we, we, I can look around the room, and I know that, that different people are going through different issues and different problems. You need to know this morning exactly and need to be reminded exactly who Jesus Christ is. Everybody say amen. And, and maybe, maybe there's something that's, that's in your life right now that's, that's really got you down, that you're worried about. And so people come to you and they say, just put your faith in Jesus Christ and it'll all be okay. Well, what does that mean? God is going to, he shows us this sevenfold presentation of the most high, of the most excellence. So you see, here in Hebrews, he stops, starts off with these Hebrew people, and he's saying that those ways are not the best anymore. They're not even good anymore. He says there's a better, not just a better, but there's a best, and, it's, and he's the preeminent one. He is Jesus Christ, and this is what we are to focus on. So whatever it is, however it is in our lives, whatever's going on, this is what we must focus on, this sevenfold presentation of the most high now let's look at them let's look at all seven of them this morning just real quick first of all he introduces christ to these hebrew people and we need to be we need to be reminded exactly who this christ is number one he says whom he appointed heir of all things number one look at it number one is his heirship Now, we're not talking about a blimp or some kind of airship here. We're talking about air, okay, like a a king and his son. Verse 2, it says, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. And then again, he begins the seven excellencies 
whom he hath appointed heir of some things. Is that what it says? All things. That gets my motor running, guys. I mean, this Christ, the one that I put my faith in, the one that I trust, the one that I put my life into, he's just not just something. He is everything. He is the heir of all things. Guys, do we get that? The God that we serve is the heir of all things? My goodness. So the first thing we learn is that he's heir of all things. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says, All things were made by him and what? For him. And so Jesus is the heir of all things, and that means that means several things to me. And 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 first of all, it means that um, it means that everything is his. Hey, hey, listen, guys. Everything is his. You know, here at Cornerstone, we're starting a new building program. And, you know, we're not starting it. We've started it, right? And, uh, you know, I've been gone for a week, and I I need to check in with the guys and see what's transpired. But nothing's transpired. Everything's about the same. Uh, Quick trip. They went up before I left. He sent me an email, and he said, he said, we're ready to close. And so that gets me excited, right? But at the same time, I'm thinking, well, we got a long ways to go because we still are buying this property and then we're still trying to get the contractor thing figured out. And we're trying to get this figured out and that figured out. But guess what? God owns all things. He's in control of all things. And as long as I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to take care of all things. Can I have an amen to that? Give the Lord a hand this morning. You know, he's the heir of all things, all things. And, you know, as much as we, and, and on that, on, on the building committee, as much as we work and we plan and we think we have it figured out, we don't. But guess what? God is the heir of, Jesus Christ is the heir of all things, and he's going to take care of no matter what comes our way, because guess what? He's the heir of all things. Now, so it means that to me, and then also it, it means this. It means this. Second, and it's kind of a fantastic thing if you realize this, Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17, it says this, that those who believe in the name of Jesus Christ are joint heirs with them. Okay, so... I just want to back us up, and maybe we won't, won't get through all seven points this morning because I really want to get you excited. And like John was was talking about before that, that last song, I mean, God wants to bring us to some place, and this is where God wants to bring us. He wants us to realize that he is the heir of all things, but we need to realize, too, that we are joint heirs with Christ. And guys, that's exciting. Amen? We are joint heirs with Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17, that when we enter into his eternal kingdom, we will jointly possess all that he possesses. Now, it never says that we'll be joint Christs or joint lords, but we will be joint heirs. It'll be ours as well. And amazing as it seems, even though this Jesus Christ is the heir of all things, some people still refuse him. Isn't that just sad? Maybe there's some here this morning that still refuse. Just like in in, in this day, there was those three groups of people, and there were people still refusing the one who is heir of all things. 
Number two, number two, not only do we see his heirship, but we also see his creatorship. At the end of verse 2, it says, by whom also he made the worlds. Now, that is Christ. It is the agent through which God created the world. John chapter 1, verse 3 says, all things are made by him. Without him was nothing or anything made that was made. That's, that's, that's it. Jesus Christ made everything. Jesus Christ is the agent of creation. Now, my friends, to me, it's a great single proof of just exactly who Jesus Christ is. He is the creator of all things. So, so you see, um, the writer is, is presenting Christ, and, and he had these Hebrew people that some believed, and some didn't believe with their hearts, and some didn't believe at all, and he was saying, leave all that stuff behind, because there's, there's not something just better, there's something that's best, and his name is Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, we serve, if Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, this is who we, this is who we serve. We serve not just the heir of this world, but we also serve the one who created the world. Amen? He is the creator of this world. You know, uh, um, and I said this two weeks ago, Wednesday, and we're fixing to get into some new material here, but I just want to remind you of this, that um, Jesus had the ability to create, and that set him far apart from man. Amen? If anyone can create, that's, that's, that's God. Because only a God can create. And I know what you're saying here. You're saying, well, I can create stuff. I can create the best peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the whole wide world. <laughs> well, but you just go into a room with nothing and you make something. You can't. Because only God can create. And Jesus Christ, listen, is the creator. I mean, um, we can't create. If, I, if we could create, I mean, I think if we could create, we would have probably different houses. I'd have a pull in mind, I can tell you that much right now, if I could create. Um, and some of you kids, you'd probably create different parents, huh? No, you wouldn't. You love your parents. And some of you wives, you would create yourself a different perfect husband, which there's no such thing, is there? But, but anyways, but, but, we, would cre- but we, don't, we can't create. Only God can create. Amen? And that makes him God. He created everything material. He created everything spiritual. And man has stained his creation with sin when Christ made it good originally. And even the creation, according to Romans chapter 8, the Bible says it groans to be restored to what it knew in the beginning. Remember reading that in Romans? Now, I I want you to look at this. And and again, um, look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. I want you to get this. And this is just word study, Bible study. Look at verse 2. It says, by whom also he made the worlds. Worlds, W-O-R-L-D-S. Now, the common Greek word for world in the Greek language is cosmos. But that is not the Greek word that is used to interpret this word in the English worlds. The Greek word here is inos, inos. And, and it does not mean the material or system, but instead that word means ages. He is not saying that Jesus Christ is only responsible for the physical earth. He is saying that Christ is responsible for creating the very concept of time, space, force, action, and matter, that he created everything. Look, 
a lot of times we think of just this world, this planet, but no, he is the creator of everything, this whole entire world. While we were on the, while we were on the ship, um, on the ship, um, we watched, I watched some Discovery Channel, and on one of the shows they had, um, they had um, some scientists, and they were trying, and, they're, and they're, what they're doing is they're mathematically trying to recreate the Big Bang. And they, it was an hour-long show, and it was the most boring thing, but there are actually scientists that are mathematically creating a way to, 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 to cause a big bang and so that there's a so that one day so that so that human mankind has another chance for existence that they can re, recreate the big bang in the creation of this world well guess what they're not going to be able to do it because god is the creator of things and he holds all things into himself everybody say amen that's it. That's the only way. But the point is, is as, as the writer um, um, introduces this sevenfold explanation of, of Christ, he shows him as the heir and he shows him as the creator. And number three, let's move through these a little bit faster. Number three, he's the brightness. It says, who again, referring to Christ, being the brightness of his glory. The brightness of his glory. Now, that brightness, this word in the Greek, it means to send forth light. And this refers to Jesus as the manifestation of God. He expresses God to us. He's the brightness of God's glory. Listen, no one can really see God at any time. None of us ever will. The only radiance that will reach us from God is mediated to us. Look at it. And this is what it's talking about, through Jesus Christ. Just as the rays of the sun reach the earth and light the earth and warm the earth and give life and grows the earth, so it is. Jesus Christ is the glorious light of God shining into the hearts of men and women. And just to carry it more into a theological context, as you well know, the brightness of the sun is the same nature as the sun. It is as old as the sun. Never was the sun without its brightness, and the brightness cannot be separated from the sun. And listen to me, and this is what they understand here, and the same thing true is with God. As long as there's been God, there's been Jesus Christ. And what he's saying is this, and he's saying this, is that this world is a dark world. It's sin depraved. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ, the brightness of the Father, to shine amongst the people. And if you don't have Jesus Christ, then all you have is darkness. That's the significance of those verses. And so he's saying to these Hebrews, he's saying, put that stuff away. Put away the Old Testament. Put away those subjective troops. Put away those learned behaviors. And he's saying that I'm, I'm presenting to you the, the, the best, the only, the preeminent Christ. But you got to put everything else behind because this is what God gives you. And the only way that you're going to have a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. Number four. Number four. His glory, his glory. Verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory. And then look at it. Here's his being of his nature, if you will. Look at it. The express image of his person. Whose persons? God's person. Jesus Christ is the express image of God's person. Listen, 
Christ was not only God manifest, he was also God in substance. 100% man, but he was 100% God. And that's how Jesus Christ is introduced to these Hebrew believers. Jesus Christ was not only God manifest and distinctly a person of his own, but he was also God in substance. Number five. Now, I find this next one very interesting, and this is his administration. Upholding all things by the word of his power. Now, everybody listen. The God that we serve the Savior that we serve, the one that we can go into prayer with, the one, the, the, one, the one that we love or that we say we love and that we say that we trust, but sometimes we don't act like we trust him. I want you to understand exactly that he is not just some imagination, but he is all of these things. He is the heir. He is the glory. He is the brightness. He is, he is the creator, but he's also the administrator. Do you understand what that means? That, that means that this whole universe this whole thing that's been created, he sustains it. You see, um, you know, we live down there in Louisiana, and we had those hurricanes every fall. Or better yet, and, and now we move over here, and we've got those nasty storms. I mean, it seems like they're just all the time, doesn't it, everybody? It seems like from, from, from wintertime or from fall time, really, till the end of spring, at any time we can get hailstorms, we can get thunderstorms, and all these tornado warnings and tornado watches. And you know what happens when, when those storms come is what, what happens to us? We get, a, we get a little afraid, don't we? We get a little uneasy. Just think if Jesus Christ wasn't holding those things in place. Just think what it'd be like. Uh, here's what I want you to get. That if, if, he, if, if Jesus Christ just let gravity grow, go, what would happen? This whole universe would be done away with. He holds this whole universe together. I mean, you got the scientists and you have the astronomers and, and they're figuring out all these things about all this stuff and all the mathematical codes and doing all of this. But, you know, they couldn't do any of that if Jesus Christ didn't hold it all together himself. The Bible tells us that if he starts a work in you, that he'll finish it until the end of the day. Hey, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, and if he can hold this whole universe together and make it all run smoothly, he can take your life, and he can get you until the end. Everybody say amen. Everybody give the Lord a hand, will you please? That's what he's convincing these, these Hebrews of is that put away all that old stuff. He's, and, and all the old ideals and all the learned behaviors and all the Judaism, all those things, he says, here is the preeminent one. Here is Christ. I present him to you. He is the heir. He is the creator. He is, he is the brightness of God. He is the glory of God. And he is the administrator. And if you'll just put your faith in him and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll take care of your life to the end. You know, I, I get it. You know, I've got four kids and four, four grandkids, and life can be scary, and life can throw curveballs. But guys, God, if you put your faith in him, he is the heir of all things. He is the creator of all things. He is the brightness of God. He is the glory of God. And by the grace of God, he is the administrator. He even administrator. 
administrates salvation to those who puts their faith and trust in him. All you got to do is trust him. He's the administrator, amen? The next one, let's look at it real quick. As he presents Christ in this sevenfold way. The sixth one is his sacrifice. Look at verse 3. I love this. When he had by himself purged our sins. What a tremendous statement. All alone, by himself. Look, look, listen. He purged our sins. Now, the Bible says the wages, the wages of sin is what? Is death. Jesus Christ then went on, went to the cross, he died for death, and consequently he took care of the penalty which frees us if we'll accept his death and believe that he died for our sins. It frees us from the penalty of sin, and he did it by himself. And my friends, it was a wondrous work when he created the world it was a wondrous work when he sustained the world, but a greater work than making the world and upholding the world is the work of purging the sins of man. Amen? In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27, it says this, Who needeth not daily as those high priests who offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's, for this he did once when he offered up himself you see, these people that, that were coming over from, you know, from the Old Testament era, and Jesus Christ died, and he ascended to heaven, and he went to the seat at the right hand of God. And then we got this, this, this first and second generation of these Hebrews. You know, they understood the, the priestly duties. They still had the temple in Jerusalem, and they were still making trips. They never could totally get away from it. And so he tells them here, he's saying, look, um, the priest can't do anything for you no more. Verse 1, Christ has superseded all of that. It's over with. He's saying no more does priests need to go and make sacrifices for themselves and for the sins of people that will atone for a year. But now Christ has come, and he has done it once and forever, and he did it alone. Christ is preeminent. Christ is most excellent. And that's what he's conveying to these Hebrews. And he's conveying to us. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. I love this. He says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkling the unclean sacrifice to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Then verse 26, but now once in the end of the ages hath he appeared to put away sin, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus Christ dealt with the sin problem. Listen, he was telling them and he's telling us it's done if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Because if, you're, if, if, if all that existed, and if you don't put your faith in Jesus Christ and believe in thy heart and profess with thy mouth, then, then, then your world is still darkness because the brightness of Jesus, Jesus Christ doesn't shine into it. 
because God couldn't communicate with us. We couldn't enter into fellowship with God unless sin was dealt with. And so Christ went to the cross. He bore the penalty of sin for all of those who will accept his sacrifice and believe in him and receive him and so that that sin is purged and the sin is wiped out so that now you can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And then look at lastly. This will be the last one. So we see the preeminent Christ, we see his airship, we see his creatorship, his brightness, his glory, his administration, we see his sacrifice, and as he introduces Christ, and as he, as he shows this sevenfold presentation of Christ, and remember, we're looking at this in several different ways. Number one is without Christ, there's no relationship with God. He wants them to know that. He wants us to know that. But number two, maybe we just forgot exactly who King Jesus is, and this is who he is. He is the heir. He is the creator. He is the brightness of God. He is the glory of God. He is the administrator of all things. And he is the, he is the purger of sin, the sacrifice. And lastly, and lastly, it says that um, he is exalt, exalted, his, ex, his exaltation. Now, this is, a, this is tremendous. It says... When he had by himself, look at it, purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And the majesty on high is God, and the right hand is the power side. Listen, the power side, Jesus took his place at the right hand of God. Now, the marvelous part about this statement is that he sat down because that's a contradiction to everything the priesthood stood for in the Old Testament. You see, in the Old Testament, there were no seats in the sanctuary. Um, Tommy and I, you know, as you know, we've been to Israel several times, and you go to those old sanctuaries, and there's no place for anybody to sit down. And boy, they would have services for hours and for hours and hours. Boy, we, we probably wouldn't do very good, us Americans and, and or whatever in those days. But no, there was no place uh, for, for even the priest to sit down. The priest's work was never finished because there was always sins to be covered. But Jesus only had to do it how many times? Once. And his work was done. The priest, he never had any place to sit because God knew there wouldn't ever be any time to sit. Sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice over and over and over again. His work was never done. Daily, day in, day out, the priest continued. They had to offer sacrifice. They never sat down. But Jesus, when he offered that one sacrifice, he got it all done. You remember what Jesus' words were? He says, it is finished. And he went to the Father and he sat down because his sacrifice was perfect. It was done. What the priest did over and over and over again in the Old Testament, Christ completed it. You say, well, what does it mean that he went up and he sat down? It means that Christ was exalted. King Jesus. There are at least four things that we can present out of this to you. Number one, he sat down. Number one, 
it's a sign of honor to be seated at the right hand of the Father. Um, he's, he's honored. Number two is, he, is secondly, he sat down as a sign of rule. Number three, he sat down to rest. And then number four, um, he sat down to intercede for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for all of us. Isn't that good? He sat down. It's finished. This is a sevenfold presentation of who Christ is. Hey, listen to me, Cornerstone. Don't forget the King Jesus that we serve, the one that we call Abba Father, the one who makes intercession for us. Remember, he is, he is, he is the heir of all things, and guess what? We're joint heirs with him. One day, it's not going to happen here, but one day there's going to be a loud trump from heaven, and the Bible says that those who are dead in Christ shall rise first, and those who are alive will go in like manner, and then at that time, eternity will start. You know, of course, we know we got the tribulation period, and we know we got the the thousand-year reign, and then the eternity. But 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 right then, right then we'll receive our glorified bodies, and we will be joint heirs with Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? But until then, remember the God that we serve, he is also the creator, he is the administrator, he is the brightness, he is the glory, and remember that he is the sacrifice and he is exalted. Remember, whatever life throws at us, we can get through it because of the king of the God who we serve, our Savior Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, let's put all that other stuff that we want to drag in with us to worship God, let's put it aside and let's worship him in spirit and truth because we know who he is and what he can do and just exactly who God is through Jesus Christ. Amen? Now remember this, that if you don't have Christ, you're still in darkness. You're still in darkness. Because to have a relationship with Jesus Christ is not just to bow your knees to him, not just to bow your mind to him, but you got to bow your heart to him. And you got to confess your sins. And you got to call upon him to be your Lord and Savior. Not just in mind and not, not just with, our, with, with, a, with an action, but you got to do it in your heart. Not just with your mouth. You do it with your heart. And then... The light of our God through Jesus Christ shines into our life, and, and, and by his deed done on the cross, we are forgiven of our sins, and we are given eternal life with him. Amen.